Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And hi, boy, are we on the road exactly. We're in the air. And we are a long way away from <laughs> Utah. Welcome, welcome to the show today. We're uh, broadcasting from Dubai. A lot of you listeners may have been to Dubai. It's a remarkable city. It um, makes you feel like you're in Disneyland or Las Vegas on steroids. But we've we've been here several times. It gets bigger and everywhere here. And of course. We're partway through this round-the-world speaking tour, a speaking and kids tour, as we call it, because we're able to visit a lot of our far-flung brood as we go around the world. But let's just talk about today, honey, because it's evening here in Dubai, and we've spent the entire day with a lovely group of parents and their children. And uh, my goodness, we had a remarkable time just talking about the importance of families the importance of communication families, the importance of having some strong family laws and family traditions. And a lot of people say to us, well, when you're far away, when you're in a different culture, I mean, here we are in the middle of a Muslim culture, don't you have to readjust most of what you say and most of what you talk about and most of what you try to encourage people? And the answer to that is a flat um, there are a couple of things that are different, but they there are no adjust. things that are different, I but mean, they, you know. they don't apply. I mean, sorry, I stepped on you there. Go ahead. Well, um, actually, they, um, they, you know, everybody's different no matter where they live. But the basic things that we teach them is about how to have a happy family. And today we were talking about a secret code that they can use with their kids for um values that are really important for better communication better communication and we also we're talking about um economy a family economy family laws um lots of things that um parents all over the world really um want to know well it comes down to this i mean if you if you had spent the day with us today and yesterday or if you'd been with us three days ago in shanghai in china um, you would say, wow, what a completely different culture, what a completely different society, what a completely different set of circumstances and reality. And you'd be right. I mean, there's so many things that are shockingly different. But honestly, when you get down to business, talking to parents about children, and you get in, what are your hopes and your dreams for these kids? And what do you want them to have in life? And what do you hope that they find in their in their growth and so on? And also, what do you fear for them? What are your concerns? What are the things that worry you? When you get into questions like that, it is so remarkable. And I just before will say again on the show, it is remarkable how much we are all alike and how the things we feel in our families for our children and for our relationships with each other and so on, they seem to cut across all the differences. They seem to supersede anything that might seem foreign or strange. And suddenly in talking to parents, you're on the same page and you're understanding each other. We've often said that 
the one thing that can bridge the the gaps in the world, the the misunderstandings, the prejudices, the biases, the 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 bigotry that exists all around the world. The one thing that can really bridge that and get us past it is the similarity we all have when it comes to the love and concern we have for our own children. Well, I just have to say that the thing that's probably the most different about where we are right now is that we're speaking to today, we're speaking mostly to Muslims. And we're listening to the call to prayer outside of our hotel room. There are mosques all over Dubai. And that's the uh, that's one of the big sadnesses for me because we have met so many fabulous Muslim families and they get such a bad rap in the States because of the radicals and people that are not like them at all. The, this, these families that came today were the cream of the crop. You wouldn't find better, more dedicated parents and more beautiful, bright-eyed children than we had today. We had about, how would you say, 30 well, I think kids? We had, well, we had yeah, 30 or 40 kids and their parents. And so uh, you're right. What you say is so right, Linda, that uh, they're embarrassed by their extremists. I mean, they when you get in a conversation with them and you talk about the things that are close to your heart and so on, they will often say, you know, we are so embarrassed by those who pervert our religion and who think that it's a religion of violence when in fact the word Islam means peace. And I, many of you listeners may have varied opinions and certainly there's room for a lot of different opinions. But from our experience with, with the parenting work we do and the family work we do, um, we, like you say, Linda, we've met so many really remarkable people who embrace Islam and who, frankly, have so much in common with the culture we come from in, in the LDS Church and in Mormonism. They're, they live clean lives. They, they, they basically live the word of wisdom, if you're familiar with the term. And they're very, very family-oriented. Now, of course, there are things that can be misinterpreted in their, and misinterpreted in their doctrines, just as there are in ours, just as there are in anyone's. But anyway, back to the point, it's when you get to family where you find the real commonality. So we had a lot of fun today. Um, maybe just before I get to that, I will say, though, that uh, driving around this city, we, we were here for the first time about 17 or 18 years ago. And at that time, we were told, and I can't vouch for this, but it seems logical based on what we saw, that more than a third of the world's super cranes, those enormous, huge cranes that they use for building skyscrapers, more than a third of them were right here in Dubai. This is when Sheikh Mohammed, the, the head of the, of the Emirate of Dubai, was building skyscrapers like crazy. And then we came back about eight years ago, right after the downturn in the world economy and about 2008, I think, honey, and the the cranes were gone. The ones who were here weren't doing anything. It was dormant because they were undergoing such a recession. Well, and so were the workers. I mean, we were told that they were sleeping 10 deep in just tiny little apartments and with no work. I mean, they Nothing come here they from the Philippines do. mostly, but all over Southeast Asia for work, and then they send all their money home to their families 
And boy, they were stuck here for a long time. We were feeling so sad about that. But it is really amazing. Um, it's picked up again now. They're, now you know, yeah, they're back again. The place where we're staying, I, I bet there are within eye range, as I'm looking right now, out our hotel. I, I think we could probably count 40 or 50 buildings which are higher than 30 stories, some of them much higher. And as you know, the tallest building in the world, uh, Burj, uh, what are, Khalifa. What is it? Burj Khalifa is, I think, 140 stories. But just we're, we're in a part of town where when we, we were here eight years ago, this was a desert. Yeah, there was not sand. a single building here. Yep, and, and now there's 50 buildings that are over 30 stories high. And actually about a third of them are under construction. This morning I watched 50 people walking into work over the sand. There's no green anywhere that we could see. It's just sand, walking over to the sand to, to help in the building. And someone told me today at the meeting that they work 24 hours a day. Yeah. So they just keep working, you know, all, all day, all night. And so um, we ought to say something about that because the people we were speaking to today, wonderful folks, but they're they're affluent. And and, and of course, as many of you know, the, the thing that is so oppressing sometimes when you travel in certain parts of the world is how wide the gap is between the rich and the poor. And you, you notice that probably nowhere any more starkly than, frankly, the last two cities we've been in. In Shanghai, there's enormous wealth. But there's also such poverty in China, as, as we all know. And and here in Dubai, it takes a little different form because there are those with plenty of money and affluence. And then, as you say, Linda, there's the workers who are mostly Filipinos and Filipinas. And uh, in some ways, they seem to be reminiscent of what we have in, in the States with uh, – with Mexicans who are there working, doing a lot of things, building a lot of things, uh, doing a lot of the jobs Americans don't want, and uh, doing it willingly. And that's how it is only in a more extreme way with uh, people from the Philippines here in Dubai. So I just want to say it's not all it's not all roses, Linda. Right. I mean, and in fact, the, a lot of the families that we're working with today have so much help. And is more so even in China, um, they have drivers. In China, everyone has a driver or several drivers. Well, driver to for the each child. people, the ones who the ones we were speaking to, and they have IEs, which are um, nannies, nannies, and they have maids, and they have cooks, and they have people who are helping them all the time. But um, and here they also have. Maybe not quite as much help, but they're a little more independent on driving and so on. But um, it's pretty amazing what they still do with their children to keep them not only just safe, but I mean to keep them grounded. They really do a they work good hard job at of it. Being all, although I will say the closest we got today to, um, I don't want to use the word lecturing, but maybe that's what we did. The closest we got today to sort of cautioning the parents we were speaking to is when we were saying, look, you have, you, you know, you have a privileged life. But by the way, one of the things that we we're talking to them about is taking their privileged children on humanitarian expeditions and they don't have to go far. They can go down the block and find people who, who really need help. But we were saying, you know, you've got help, you've got servants, you've got people who work for you. 
delegate whatever you will, but please don't delegate the parenting because that's what we find in some of these countries is that the parents will, will have nannies and they'll basically let their nannies raise the kids and they don't see much of their kids or work very much. And, with and them. I'm sure they're really nice people, but they are um, not very well educated and they don't really, I mean, they give the children a lot of love in most cases. I'm sure there's some problems there too, but they just um, don't have what a parent can give to a child. Yeah. And even if they did, even if they were well-trained nannies, delegating parenting is just one of those things we call it a stewardship stewardships are things that you you can't delegate and the buck stops with you and certainly that is the case when it comes to raising our children so um we're going to take a little break here but we do have to say that this is easter weekend and we are going to be here easter morning tomorrow morning for us and the most exciting thing is that there's no Mormon church here on Sunday. They meet on Friday. So we are going to the Sikh temple. We are so excited. This is going to be an Easter that we will never forget. And we'll talk a little bit more about the Sikhs that we really love in the next segment. We had, we had several Sikhs in the meeting today, and uh, they they are remarkable people. We're not here to talk about religion necessarily. This is a show about families. but we can learn a lot from families in different cultures. And so let's take a brief break. And when we come back, we'll talk a little more to you from Dubai, halfway through our around the world speaking and kid visiting tour. And we'll try to try to answer the question, what can we learn from each other around the world when it comes to raising our children and keeping our families strong? Be right, be right back. Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And we're back. We are not back where you are. We are in Dubai today. As many of you know who've been listening to the first half, but we are so excited. It's dusk here. The lights are coming on. If you think Las Vegas is bright, you need to come to Dubai. It is amazing. And uh, the infrastructure is amazing. Um, they don't have Broadway, and they don't have the London Theater. They just got but they what they call, the, they call the opera. They basically have musicals there, and it's brand new. Like it's the first time, despite all the development, they just got for the first time a real music hall where they can have symphony orchestras, and and Les Mis was there playing. <laughs> so it's it's a it's pretty good thing to have. Um, but we do need to talk a little bit about China because we just came from Shanghai. And that also, we were talking about how much Dubai had changed in that amount of time. We started, we first went through China about the same time, about 17 years ago or so. And uh, we've been back three times since then. And every time it's a new city, just like it is in Dubai. There's so much going on. And in China, there is so much wealth in downtown uh, Shanghai. I've never seen uh, high-end stores like that. They're just one after the other, two-story stores, absolutely huge, absolutely amazing. And um, and what a culture China is. I mean, that is a culture. Wow. Yeah, let me comment a couple things on that. I mean, we, we um, 
actually, I, I went to China for the first time in 1981. I was really one of the early Americans to get into China. It was shortly after Nixon went there. And I was doing some consulting for a company, and that's another story. But but what I remember, I mean, that was like the Stone Age compared to now. I, I remember seeing families whose job it was to make gravel. And this is literally true. I watched them. I, I, I took pictures of them. The dad has a big hammer, and he's breaking these rocks with a hammer. He's pushing the, the rocks he breaks into smaller rocks over to his wife, who's sitting there with a medium-sized hammer. This sounds crazy, but this is exactly what I witnessed. And the, and the woman, the, the mother, the wife, is breaking those rocks, passing them on to her oldest child, who has a little bit smaller hammer, and is breaking them again, passing them down to his brother. And by the time you get to the end of this family assembly line, you've got gravel. That's how people were making gravel. And I I remember asking our guide back in, in the early 80s, don't they have rock crushers? Couldn't they do this some other way? And, and what he said to me is, yeah, they could, but then these people wouldn't have any work, have a job. This That's is how amazing. the communist government employs them. So it was like the Stone Age. And then and you know, fast forward to now, to Shanghai, a city of 27 million people, which is doing things. I mean, it's just an unbelievable capitalist economy, which is producing wealth like no one's business. But getting to the parenting thing, imagine that, the, you know, we often like to say the problems families have with raising their children are eerily similar around the world. But the causes of those problems is very, very different. And this is a perfect example. I mean, we worry about entitlement attitudes in kids. And in, in America, that entitlement comes from technology and from people who, you know, don't don't insist that their kids work and don't teach them the work ethic and so on. Well, in China, you've got an entitlement problem based around what we call a little emperor syndrome. I mean, think about this in your own mind for a few minutes, a policy for decades of only being able to have one child. So every child that's born has six adults around them, two parents and four grandparents. And all over China, and this is especially true a few years ago, we would see in the parks and so on, here's this little kid walking along, trailed by two parents and six grand and four grandparents on a weekend. The little emperor syndrome, getting everything they ask for, six adults basically waiting on them all the time. Imagine the entitlement attitudes that has produced over the years. It really is pretty amazing. Um, and we've been feeling so sorry for those people who can only have one child because that's that's hard, even though it's wonderful and, and we're glad they had that one child. But these people had two, three, and four Yeah, the one-child policy is over now well, in China. It, well, now they can have two. But these people can buy children, so to speak. Well, they can pay $5,000 a fine or something and get a permit to have another child, which is just amazes me. Yeah, I don't think it's a permit. I think they're fine if they, you know, before the one child policy ended officially by the government, people, it was illegal to have a second child, but if, if they had one, they would be fined. Right. The equivalent of about $5,000, which to, to relatively wealthy people didn't matter. So essentially those that had money could have several children and those who had no money could have one child. And interestingly, when you buy a new car, 
it costs about what did they say more than that about eight thousand dollars to get a license to get a license twenty twenty thousand dollars to get a license plate in in shanghai unless you buy an electric car so in <laughs> we're a little off, far afield here but uh, electric cars are a pretty big bargain in shanghai because you get a free license plate which otherwise <laughs> would cost you twenty thousand dollars teslas are doing car. well <laughs> not kidding um, there's just, it's so interesting. We love other cultures and this is my idea of a grand time to be really immersed in different cultures. But next time we go back to China, I want to go to the real China. I mean, the countryside where people are still working hard and, um, and making ends meet just like we are in the U S so many, so many people are. But really, we've just been kind of plunked right straight into uh, people with a whole lot of money. And they were just saying there's just so much money in Shanghai that they just don't know what to do with it. They're starting, people are now starting to have a little education system, a kindergarten in their uh, businesses, not because they want to help the kindergartners, but because it provides them a it's lot a growth, of money. It's a growth yeah. industry. I will say this, though, Linda, what's, what's really interesting and sad we we've always found over the last many years that one thing to always admire about Asian families in general was the sort of reverse situation of the West, where in the West we we sort of have very little use for for the elderly. And in fact, we we do everything we can in the West to avoid aging. We do everything we can to try to stay young and so on. And, and in, in Asia, traditionally, and it goes back to much experience, one thing to admire is how much age was respected and how in most homes, three generations of people live in the home. And it's the grandparents who have the respect and it's the grandparents who teach the children, give advice and who really guide both their children and their grandchildren and, and the, the children and the grandchildren respect their elders that has largely gone by the wayside uh, we were with yeah. some parents this time who, who who complained that the biggest problem they had was rudeness their children were rude they they, 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 they were, were slapping their grandparents and yeah. their parents when they didn't get what they wanted those little emperors and empresses and i'm sure that's not that's not the norm but it's happening more than it ever has because of the way the culture is is evolving and so what a sad thing and so again um the world is becoming more and more homogenous and that's both good and bad um in a way it's depressing to walk through neighborhoods that we were in a, a decade or two ago that that were like a totally different culture a different planet and to find them now with McDonald's and Kentucky Fried Chicken, Starbucks, and Starbucks on, every, on corner. every corner, and you hate to see you hate to see these cultures diluted and watered down. But at the same time, the dis the poverty is getting less and less, and the disposable income is growing. And so, I guess it goes with the territory as we become more materialistic anywhere in the world. We have a different set of problems, and one of those problems, at least for parents, is the entitlement attitudes of, of their children. That's true. However, you know, the, the, another thing that's really prevalent in China is that parents leave their farms and leave the villages and countryside and go into the big cities 
and work their tails off for some the salary that they can get, which is so much more than they can get back in the country. But and they send money home. But the problem is they only go home once a year to see their children. They leave the children with grandparents, and they only go home. And apparently, Shanghai is full. Of, of people like that who are workers who just don't get to see their family and then last year i saw that it snowed on new year's they go home on new year's especially day. on the chinese new year there was a huge blizzard huge traffic jams and, and they could not get home airport they couldn't get congestion, to their families all trying to go home and um, that is just really a sad sad story as far as the family goes because you know the parent the grandparents just really are totally raising the children now linda we want to end the show today back on the unity on the hopeful positive note but one more thing that that's that's interestingly different about parenting and families and in other cultures and it's very dramatic for us right now because um you know coming out of asia and we're going next to to moscow for a couple of few days and then we're going to to switzerland and I want to point out an interesting contrast. All over China and all over most of Asia, the, the educational emphasis is so intense yeah. that it's become a huge problem. Kids are, are suffering nervous breakdowns as little kids because the pressure on them is so enormous. And, and in most of Asia, they have what, what is called in the vernacular cram schools. So after they finish their day of school, they go to a cram school for four more hours and try to compete, try to learn to read or whatever they're doing as Math little kids and, faster oh, wow. so they can keep up so that they can eventually, because it opens the door of education and of better employment and of more money. And then we're going off to Switzerland where it is exactly the opposite. Our little granddaughter in Switzerland will not learn anything about reading or math or academics until she's eight years old. Seven. Seven. They have Seven two eight, years yeah. of kindergarten, five and six. And, and all they do is play. There is not a letter. There is not a number in the classroom. They have toys that they play with. And when we were there at the parent-teacher conferences, our son and daughter-in-law said they were talking about taking most of the toys out, too so that they could learn to interact with each other, which is really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because in the end, those kids get a great education too, but they just start so much later. So, wow, we feel sorry for these kids that are under pressure all the time. I mean, in a way, we could certainly be a little bit more toward that side of the scale. Yeah, because, we're, we're uh, kind of come down with the Swiss on that because yeah. the, the, the newer newer studies are showing that huge academic head starts with three and four year olds being pushed hard academically don't end up to be an advantage because the kids who wait and who start learning a little later catch up very quickly because they're more ready to learn and so on. So some of that early pushy academic childhood education may actually be wasted. And of course that ties in with what many of you listeners may know us for, namely the joy school concept where we believe that preschoolers really should focus on various kinds of social and emotional joy and save the academics for a little later. However, I do think that we could be a little bit better in our high school program where our seniors are not doing anything but having fun, basically. I mean, sorry for those of you who have AP classes up to the hilt, but it really is interesting how different a senior year is in China and in the United States. So, but, so let's end on, end on a positive note where we started, though, and, and that is that around the world, 
there are so many differences, so many conflicts, so many things where we antagonize one another culturally and personally. But the one thing we want to promise you in our experience is that when it comes to the love of a parent for a child and the concerns of a parent for a child, we are all the same. All human beings are, and that's a wonderful thing. So we wish you a happy Easter. This is going to be one we'll never forget as we go to the Sikh temple tomorrow, but we wish you the very best, and we'll see you again next time on Myers on the Road. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.